It is working. It is working. Okay. Yes. So we we are actually live. Um Okay, so this this is our first live episode. This uh this is this is buzzardry, all of this um technical difficulties and really this past weekend is kind of the definition yeah. uh of, of buzzardry. Um so final score yesterday, thirty one seven. That's right. Um just a tough day all around. Uh, yeah, I don't know. First thoughts. Yeah, I think uh, I guess the first takeaway I had was uh, you know one of the or the two uh, or two keys to the game that we identified on um, on Thursday was stop of the run, which uh, you mm-hmm. know we were able to do. You know, I think South Al they only had just a little over one yard of uh, a rush on average. Um, yeah, thirty-one total yards, I think, on thirty-four. On thirty-four. Yeah, yeah. thirty-four attempts. So I mean, stop the run, but. Uh, the other one was uh, effective passing game, and I think that was the big takeaway. Um, yeah. Was the passing game difference between uh, the two teams? Yeah, and I and I think we saw really how important the quarterback position is uh, because to me, it really you know after you go down and score on that second drive, mm-hmm. and then defense comes out comes up with a three and out, and then you go three and out, and really it's just completely downhill from there Trello really just kind of falls apart never really looked he never really looked comfortable to me it, it looked a lot like you know those starts he had when he didn't, you're back in 2020 when he didn't have a lot of preparation you know that western kentucky game and then um i guess was it north alabama uh i think was another game he started um so yeah i mean and then you know talking about the passing game um you know, one of the things Hall said before is that it's a program that's going to uh, be centered around the quarterback uh, and quarterback su- success. And um, so, you know, I think uh, he, he knows how important the quarterback position is. Um, but, you know, you look back at last night and, um, you know, the big difference uh, in the game was obviously the passing game. It was, yeah. And, and I think, you know, all the reports out of fall camp, which which I was part of that, I was writing on fall camp and – there was a, a serious gap between Trey Lowe and the other quarterbacks who've we've you know it's been talked about how talented that quarterback room is, and Trey Lowe looked fantastic, looked in, in charge of the offense. He it looked like he had that offense down, and that is a that is an incredibly complicated offense they run. We'll talk about some of those packages they ran out there personnel wise uh, in a second, but the fact that I mean Will Hall. You know he is a quarterback guy, right? Yeah, we saw, we saw what he did. Very hands on with the quarterback. You know, there's yes. you know he coaches the quarterbacks. You know, the, he's yeah. the quarterbacks coach. Uh, yes. You know, along with being the uh, OC and the head coach. Um, and, you know, don't think there's a lot of uh, head coaches in the country that do that, where they're the position coach. No, uh, for quarterbacks especially. Um, so yeah. No, and and he, you know, all really starting in the spring has has sung the praises of Trey Lowe and. That's been really to me what he has been the most confident about is Trey Lowe. You know, you 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 know, I, I would ask him a question about what you see out of Trey Lowe today, and just he would say everything. And so to see to see Trey Lowe just just collapse like that and and never really look comfortable in his reads. He said it after the game. He said, I mean, first of all, he admitted he admitted that you know he played poorly and he was bad. Um, and so it's not like he knows doesn't know that, but. He said he was going through his reads too slowly, too quickly, and 
just never really had a feel for the pocket. Um, part of that was what Womack did on defense. They sent a lot of, of different looks at him and um, created a lot of pressure that really kept him off balance all night long. But, yeah, it, that was just so far against what I, I think if anybody expected to see him play like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, one of the interesting things to me was it did look early on that um, that we tried to uh, – a run heavy at, at first because that first drive it was I think three straight rushes um, used some quarterback rushes um, and then that drive where we scored it was kind of a lot of power football downhill so I mean it looked like the game plan was to kind of run the football um, and then eventually it just became a situation where you know you're down twenty four to seven you got to start trying to pass it and uh, we you know there was a couple a uh, couple plays where um, I want to move the chains through the air but. I mean, for the most part, it was, um, you know, not a whole lot of success. But it did look like, uh, you know, and Hall, you, you know, if you go back and look at his, um, you know, just when he's calling the plays back to his time at West Alabama and West Georgia, he's going to run the football. Right. You know, he's usually above 60% in terms of uh, run rate, um, running the ball. You know, yeah, in terms of total plays, run, runs are over 60% um, for most of the years he's called plays. So, um, you know, he's a guy who wants to run first, I think. Um but you know, like you know, like Old St. Hall knows that um, you, you got to send your program around the quarterback in the passing game because you, if you don't have a uh, effective passing game, you're not going to be the football unless uh, you know you totally go uh, full triple option uh, like an academy uh, school like Navy or someone like that. So uh, right, yeah, and and you're right. The game plan was clearly to establish the run, and you really you know had some decent success with that. And like you said, it was a lot of power stuff, a lot of power packages, two tight ends. I mean, it was heavy most of the time. But then you they started to move in the direction of, okay, let's open up the passing game. And then you had some drops and, you know, Lowe had some misses, uh, some missed throws and some, some missed routes. Some, some routes were broken. Um, I, I don't think a lot of people saw that, some of those young wide receivers breaking routes. And um, and so then it was clear that we weren't going to be able to throw the ball. And then you can – so now you can stack the box, and now you can send all these blitzes. And, uh, you know, Frank Gore, when he had space, he was great, I thought. Yeah, I mean, he had over – you know, I think over four yards of rush, which uh, yeah. isn't terrible. Um, I think he had 70 – high 70s, low 80s in yards. Yeah, let me Check pull that. up the, uh, the um, game book. Um, 15 or 20 rushes, something like that. You yeah, can... 19 carries for uh, net 81, so that's uh, a little over four, um, four a carry. So, yeah. I mean, that's not – So, efficient. Bad. Yeah. Efficient, yeah. And and I thought Darius Mayberry looked pretty good at the end, in you know, late in the second half, uh, just just trying to kind of, you know, get a little spark uh, in that rushing game. But in that offense and, you know, in most offenses, if you, if you can only do one thing, then – you're not going to be any good on offense. And I think we saw that uh, not being able to throw the ball. Yeah, you know, one of the holisms is uh, balance is doing uh, was what you want to do when you want to do it. That's right. And, uh, you know, we, we couldn't really do that last night. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I was saying, you got to have a, an effective passing game to set up the run game or else, you know, like you're saying, you just put seven right in the box and uh, you can stop that running game really easily. Um, so that's kind of the, the big takeaway going forward this season is um, how the passing game uh, can improve, how Trey Lowe can improve. Yeah. And I think that's going to kind of be the uh, key for the season is uh, 
Trey Lowe's progression as quarterback. I think that's going to kind of determine how uh, how this team does going forward. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I don't I don't think there was ever really a thought for Coach Hall to uh, send Tykees in. There was a somebody tweeted that oh Tykees is warming up. He's he's throwing the ball on the sidelines. He's about to go out there. Yeah, Tykees goes out there and. I'm not sure he does much better because Coach Hall has talked about. Obviously, he is—he's probably the most talented quarterback in that room, but he just doesn't have a grasp of the offense, and he's not ready to be thrown in there, especially in a game one like that. So Trey Lowe is the guy, right? And he's going to be for the duration of the season, barring an injury. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you're right. It's—it's it's, uh, can you fix those fixable things? Which, in large part, what went wrong was fixable, and Coach Hall said that after the game. Yeah, I think the thing with Keys is so he's only been here um, since the summer. Right. So he hasn't he didn't he wasn't here for spring ball. He was uh, I guess still playing baseball at uh, Taylorsville um, in the spring, I think. So you know he hasn't had a lot of time to pick up the offense. And I was I was trying to remember if uh, I was just kind of going back to Tulane last year um, their offense. So they started with Keon first couple games and then went to Michael Pratt. I was trying to um, figure out if Michael Pratt had. Um, had been in that offense since the uh, since the spring, or if he came in during the summer, just trying to uh, compare him to Keys, where you have a kind of an established starter for the first couple games, and then um, you know you have a you know a true freshman um, you know talented quarterback come in later and um, later in the year. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, Pratt very well may have come in during the uh, during the spring for Tulane and really picked up the offense in a way that uh, Keys really hasn't been able to. Um, just because of the town. Right, yeah, and I, and I think that also points to the fact that Coach Hall, I mean, he's he's not afraid to throw somebody else in there if they're ready. Right. And so, um, and obviously, you know, game one, we're going to, overreaction is just, you know, a, a natural response to to any result. If, if we had won 31-7, we'd say, okay, we're, we're going to win the West pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it goes both ways. But uh, Trey Lowe is the guy. And, yeah. and that's there's no question about that. Um, that will continue to be true. Um, For at least, or I mean, you know, well, I mean, let's say if, this. Let's say this happens for two or three. Right. If he if he is that bad, which I, I highly doubt that is the case, um, because again, I, I think I think that was almost completely mental, because he never looked comfortable in in that beginning of that second half. When he stepped into throws and had his guy knew where he was going uh, or made the right read and that guy was in the right spot, I mean, he he's got what it takes to be a really good quarterback. We saw that against oh, FAU. He's got the oh, oh yeah, he's got the physical tools, no doubt. And sometimes you know, on the other side of that, sometimes that it just doesn't translate. You know, you can be great in practice and you know great at, at you know a, a game like. That FAU game, which was you know kind of a strange in a vacuum. Yes, it, uh, that's a good way to say it. Um, that you know could be the case, um, and you know T Webb has got a lot of talent. Jack Walker, Coach Hall has talked about him. Um, yeah, I mean, they really have four, I think, or at least three high three star guys. I think Walker. I mean, he was a he was Madison Central, I believe, right? Mm-hmm, that's right. And yeah, he was. Uh, I think he went to uh, Georgia State. So he, I mean. All four of the guys were somewhat, at least somewhat highly regarded uh, coming out of high school. So you do have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of competition. Um, guys that were um, really talented prep players, um, you know, that you'd think they would have, uh, you know, pretty good 
bit of ability, and I think uh, I think that is the case. Yeah, and, so. I, and I also think that's that's good evidence of Trello being, uh, you know, a pretty good quarterback or pretty talented quarterback. The fact that you have those three guys behind him, the Gatorade Player of the Year and T-Webb, obviously highly recruited, the Louisville transfer, and then Jack Walker, to have – those three guys behind you and for there to be that immediate separation that there was and for him to hold on to it as long as he did um, points to him, you know, having what it takes. And he was visibly frustrated uh, post game last night and, um, you know, kind of short questions to answers. And he, you know, usually is not like that. So he was uh, frustrated with himself and he, uh, he, he said, we're going to go back to work. And uh, I mean, I, you know, there's a probably a, a lot of evidence on film that you can go back and um, you know really look at you know what you did and um, not sure. Well, okay, I'll say this. I think I think it, the schedule actually is favorable to have Grambling next week because you yes. can iron out a lot of those mistakes. Hopefully, in low pressure situations um, where yeah, you know, I mean, you're not worried you know, about if, winning the game. You know, if that's the kind of game you would hope, you get up a bunch and you can put in. A Tykes in the second half. Sure. Put in a T Webb, a Jack Walker, kind of see how they do. Um, so I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Typically in these FCS games, that's kind of why you um, big reason why you schedule them is you know you can get guys that you typically don't get in a game uh, in a game, and um, also with you know the red shirt rule, you can guys can play without uh, having it count against their eligibility. So let's yeah. um, you know Keys goes in and uh, plays a couple drives. Uh, he can still, you know, retain that year of eligibility. So that's um, kind of a big thing to look uh, look at for on Saturday. Sure. So, yeah, obviously we've talked about it at length. Quarterback position, um, important in this offense and every offense. It wasn't good enough last night. On the defensive side of things, that I mean, that was the concern. And you can you can move that, Mike, and if if you want to. Um, if you want a better angle, um, but that was that was the concern. You know, coming into this, we thought we thought offense was the sure thing. Defense really only gives up ten points. You know, there's two fumbles in the red zone and mm-hmm. the fumble on the kickoff return, short field, right? And there's re- those. It's really only those two long drives, and one of them resulting in a field goal. Uh, we mentioned the 31 rushing yards mm-hmm. on 34 attempts, and Kareem Walker, you know, not a bad back. Started at Michigan, Mississippi State transfer. Didn't do a whole lot there, but he's got real talent. And to see that defensive line and, you know, that just the the first line of that defense as well as the middle linebackers. Hayes Maples, I thought, played really well. Didn't start the game, but came in later. Avery Josh Hobbes. Carr. Josh Carr had a great game. He was a guy, I guess, did he come in during the uh, during the summer or during the spring? I don't, I don't remember. He came in at the, the very end of the summer. Okay. I mean, he was maybe less than a week before fall camp. So he was late addition. That guy's yeah. got real talent. Um, Transfer from southeast Louisiana. That's for right. People that uh, yes. are familiar. Yes. Yes, and he was he was all-conference at southeastern Louisiana. Had a great game against Ole Miss. Um was that, I guess that was a year ago. Uh, 2019. Was that 2019? Yeah. Okay. I think he had three tackles for losses and maybe a couple of sacks. And so, um, yeah, he he is, uh, you know, I think he kind of shores up that defensive line. It's still thin. You can't really afford any injuries there. But 
you feel a lot better about the defense. I think yeah. Jake, Jake Bentley um, was largely efficient. Yeah, and, um, you know, we kind of talked about uh, Jalen Tolbert being uh, a guy yes. to watch for South Alabama. Yes. Um, South Alabama. He had – forgot it. I think it was uh, – let's see. Let me pull this. Uh, it was that first big pass play, 49 or 59 yeah, yards. Uh, five receptions for uh, 168. Yeah, that we thought was a touchdown. Ended up uh, getting called back at the, or – he stepped out of the right. one or two yard line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know he was a guy that we identified as uh, someone that's probably going to be a pretty high draft pick, a second mm-hmm. or third round um, type of guy in the NFL draft in uh, twenty two. Um, and you know you kind of saw uh, the difference when you have you know a veteran quarterback that's played a ton of games uh, like Jake Bentley has, mm-hmm. coupled with a uh, you know a really good receiver uh, like Tolbert is. You know. Uh, you know, like we were saying on Thursday, Bentley's played. I think he's a fifth or sixth year guy. He's played at South Carolina, played at Utah, mm-hmm. played a lot of really good competition, uh, really, you know, polished quarterback. Um, and you kind of saw um, the difference between Lohu. You know, he's only started a couple games um, in college football. Yep. So that was, uh, yeah. You know. Yes, the the mental aspect of it. Somebody, you know, after one of those quotes last night. Um, from Coach Hall that, you know, he he admitted that they just were not mentally prepared. Um, you know, there's – we talked about how, you know, you brought a lot back just due to the COVID year. Right. But there's a lot of inexperience on that roster, I think more than usual when you bring 18 or 19 starters back. And I, I think you saw, you know, those 11 D1 transfers that South Alabama brings in and the experience – Mentally, that that means. I think they had the advantage uh, on on that side of things. But um, so yes, we started talking about the defense. I thought, I thought that was you know, long term. If you can, again, those mistakes on the offensive side of the ball, fixable. If you can fix those and the defense stays as competitive as it was, then you know you're trending upwards. Obviously. Um, it just kind of the concerns were just kind of flipped a little bit from from what we were expecting going into that. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. The first game, you know, you, you don't yes. really know what to expect. First game with the new staff, especially like we were saying, you put in a new system. You don't really know what to expect. You know, the players still. I mean, you know, first game for the players in our new system. You know, they're still trying to learn it a little bit. Um, I mean, that's kind of you see that in you know every first year staff when you're trying to pick up the system. So you don't really know what to expect, and I think we kind of saw that with, uh, you know, the defensive line. We were kind of worried about the interior, the defensive line, stop of the run. We thought that was going to be a big concern, yep. and they did really well. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, hard to know what to expect sometimes. Uh, First-year staff in college football, I guess, is the, the moral. It is, yeah. And in any game one, uh, and Coach Hall said going into it, this is going to be a game of second-half adjustments. I thought they made those adjustments well. Those first two or three series, you, you move the ball – is you know as well as you could have hoped. You just you fumble it twice in the red zone and uh, turn it over on downs. And so, um, and one of those yeah. fumbles was kind of fluky, just with the yes. uh, mishandle. I mean, it was you know, a snap, wasn't it? Right. And yeah. the, you know, there's one thing of just you know you get hit, fumble. There's another just mishandle the snap. That's not something that happens a whole lot. Um, so that was just kind of a yeah. something I thought of. Yeah. yeah, just just I mean just mental errors, just self inflicted. Um, that's again, I think something that that can be fixed. Um, not trying to to sunshine pump. I mean, I, I think 
you know, if you're a Southern Miss fan, you should be upset and, yeah, and I mean, concerned no, it, too. Right, it, it wasn't good, uh, but there were there were a couple positives. Uh, sure, yeah, you can take away. Yes, so Grambling State next week. Um, I guess this weekend, first home game uh, in the Rock. Um, I think it probably hurts attendance a little bit, uh, dropping this first one. Maybe not a ton. I don't know. I mean, yeah. that's you never know. Yeah, really. I mean, it's, it's going to be a game. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think, uh, you know, there will be some people that, uh, you know, back to full capacity, want to come out to the game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for the past 10 years, it's, it's basically been, in terms of actual attendance, it's basically been about twelve to 14K for most games. There, there was a... Um, there was a Wall Street Journal um, article that had they had um, basically the actual attendance for every team uh, in college football from 2017. I think we were around 13,000, and because they, you know, you have the announcements, but they also have you know people the amount of people that have come in. So you you had that in 2017 about 13,000, and I feel like that's kind of been the case for the past you know several years. Hmm. So I think you'll have uh, you know Grambling. They'll probably bring two or three thousand. That's about a Four-hour drive, I think. Um, Grambling's just uh, just west of Ruston, I believe. Um, so that's typically about a four-hour drive, I think, making that drive a couple times over the years. But um, So, I, you know, I don't know. I think it'll be about 50% capacity in terms of uh, the fans. So we'll see. Yeah, that. and it's, it's you know, that's that's not the concern right now. You know, it'll take right. time. And, you know, you win ball games, and that's, you know, that'll take care of itself – um. So, uh, so uh, you know, I was browsing Eagle Post, <laughs> as one does. As one does. Um, I, I don't know. What do you say to the people who say we hired the wrong guy? Uh, well, I think uh, you do what every first, uh, with every fan base does when you have something bad happen in the first year of his staff is you say, "Well, Nick Saban uh, lost to Louisiana Monroe in his first year." So, <laughs> That's right. uh, if it happened to him, then it's, I mean. You know, I think uh, you, you kind of look around the country. There were some uh, some crazy results uh, around the country. Yeah. You know, Montana beat Washington. Um, you know, we'll probably talk about La Tech later. Yeah. Uh, so I think you, um, you, I kind of compare it to, um, to 2013 where everyone thought 2012 was kind of a blip when we were going to come in and all right, yep. we're going to win seven or eight games again. We're going to go back to old Southern Miss and then we lose to Texas State in the opener. Yep. I mean, this game was probably a little uglier than uh, Texas State 2013. But I think I think people need to realize this is going to take a little time. Yes. Uh, this is not going to be over an overnight type thing. Um, I mean, even you can compare it to 2008 when Fedora came in. You know, Fedora had inherited a NFL quarterback and Austin mm-hmm. Davis throwing to a five-star wide receiver. Yonder, I saw um, the Black and Gold Review uh, Twitter account said that, and I thought that was really, really good point. Um, you it know, started we, two and six, right? Yeah, yes. Um, so I, I think I, I would not jump off the ledge just yet. I think this no. is uh, something that's going to take a little time. I don't think it's going to be you know compared to 2013. I don't think this is bad of a situation as 2013 was i think um the 2013 first of all the 2013 schedule was a lot harder they had you know three they had boise arkansas and nebraska all on the road they also had ecu and marshall on the road which were top 65 teams that year 
I think the schedule's a lot more manageable. I think the roster's probably better than 2013. That 2013 team also had a lot of injuries. You know, there were games we were playing, I think, with under 60 scholarship players. Right. So I, th- I think it's a, a much more manageable situation than, you know, the situation Munkin came into uh, that year. So I think this is uh, going to be a situation where, um, you know, if you can get to six or six wins, New Orleans Bowl, yes, that. I think that would uh, be a positive, especially considering, you know, last year was a three-win season, you know. So. Yeah, huge positive. And I, th- I think a lot of people, the realistic – people were looking at this roster and how the schedule lined up and taking into account the talent gap between, you know, where we are and where we need to be to compete for the conference and where, you know, coach Hall says he wants to get, get us to. That's a lot larger Mm -hmm. than I think people realize. I think, or you were in the, uh, you were at the uh, post game presser, right? Mm-hmm. And he said something like, first of all, it starts with recruit. I yes. Mean, so. That was very telling. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And he's, he said before, you know, it's a pretty, pretty common um, coach speak trope of, you know, games are won four years in advance of, you know, when, if you can get your guys and um, you know, it's about the Jimmies and the Joes, not the X's and so, the O's or right. vice versa, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I think he, he knows that, you know, this there is a gap, and uh, we saw that. I thought South Alabama, maybe, you know, I, I don't think we were necess- necessarily outmanned. Again, I think a lot of it was mental, and, and like Coach Hall said, it was I fixable. We were, I guess, you know, outmanned at the important positions, which were uh, quarterback and then, uh, well, know, yes. And then wide receiver. They're, you know, I think we have a good receiver group, but I don't think we have, you know, a, a second or third you don't round have type of Tolbert, pick. Right. Like a Jalen Tolbert. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Don't don't jump off legend. It's it's a really it's it's also a really interesting comparison, and you know it, it'll be a more accurate comparison as this this year goes on and you get into year two or three for Coach Hall of Jay Hobson's first opener. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that Kentucky game, and you know you can make the argument that they're kind of you know. On the other side of, of the Hobson era, they're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum, at least you, yes. know, you hope for Coach Hall, that Coach Hobson takes Todd Munkin's recruits largely, um, obviously very talented. I mean, you have, what I guess, three guys in the backfield, future NFL guys, two mm-hmm. on the offensive line, uh, one wide receiver, a couple guys on the defensive side of things. I think maybe uh, – I think – 11 guys on that quarterback, roster. NFL quarterback playing right. at Kentucky. Game. I think 11 total guys on that roster made an NFL roster um, after they left Southern Miss. And so yeah, he, that, or, go ahead. He, I was just, he, he comes in that is Hobson with a ton of talent, you know, from a guy that got hired away because he did so well and, you know, wins a great game, you know, season opener, season opener at an SEC stadium, and then it's completely downhill from there. And then Coach Hall comes in, and the culture, I think, is splintered in a a lot of ways. Um, You know, I I think maybe the biggest concern people have is you saw a lot of that same lethargy and, uh, you know, mental lapse that you saw during the Hobson era in in those big games when they had a chance to, you know, take a division lead or – you know, in games that mattered, uh, I think you saw some of that flash last night. And, I mean, that's it's 
a culture can't change over a summer, um, and I think people expect it to. I, I've I've said for a long time, and, and I typically say this about the athletic director position, but I think, and I'm sure Coach Hall would disagree with me about this. I think the Southern Miss athletic director position and the head coaching position for football. I think those are two of the hardest jobs in the country in Division One athletics because, I mean, we've we we saw it last night with the overreaction. Yeah, you come in regardless of roster yeah. or talent, you know, the talent gap, um, and you're expected to compete for the conference with some of the, you know, the lowest resources yeah. in Division One athletics. And yeah, Coach yeah. Hall is feeling that, and he will for the rest of this year. Well, that's, I've seen people on Twitter before say that. U.S. like you were saying, a really tough job because we have we have a shoestring budget, but we expect you know yes. to be Boise, yes, or Houston. Um, and, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not. I'm like we we're saying, six wins in a Rose Bowl would be good this year. I Absolutely. Long term, I think I don't think it's unrealistic to uh, you know expect to compete for um, league championships. You know, no. um, but like you were saying, you know, we think uh, you know we think we're Boise or. You know UCF, uh, and uh, you know we really haven't been that for about a decade now. Um, if you know, even if you, you probably couldn't say we were Boise because you know Boise had those great teams where they were making the BCS bowls, and you right. know, we, we never got to that level. But um, yeah, I mean it's high expectations with a um, with kind of a, a small budget, and I, I don't think that small budget um, means you can't compete. I mean, no. you look at. Louisiana Tech, they got about the same budget as we have, and you know they really played well at Mississippi State, and they've been you know winning eight or nine games. They haven't broken three yet, but um, I don't, yeah, I mean, yeah, just like basically agreeing with you what you're saying, right? And and I don't, you know, that's, you know, don't misread what I'm saying. I don't, I, I think that is one of the advantages that Southern Miss has is those expectations, and those are pushed every year. Those those guys at those you know, positions that, you know, it, it is, it makes it incredibly difficult, but I think it, it also makes other miss what it is. And well, I think overall it is a good thing because I yes. think it means the fan base doesn't tolerate, you know, losing. If you, if you, right. you know, if you're going, I mean, even Jay Hobson, I mean, a lot of programs, Jay Hobson, I believe finished 28 and 23 when he, um, yep. you know, resigned. Um, and the fan base was a little bit. I think of a lot of programs, twenty eight, twenty three would be, you know, pretty good. Right. Um, so I think four yeah, bowl games, uh, three, three and four years. Yep. They had the one year. Three out of four. One year where Bolos wouldn't get a bowl pit. Um, right. Yeah, Bolos bowl the four full seasons that he coached. So I, I do think you know there are positives and negatives with those uh, expectations. Where, um, like you were saying, it can you know, hurt you in terms of, you know, maybe you're expecting too much uh, with not as much resources as uh, some other schools, but also think it uh, helps because, you know, if you don't, if you don't win here, uh, you know, fan base will chase you out. So <laughs> They will. They'll turn if, on you, you as, as quickly as you came. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we saw, you know, specs of that last night with uh, Coach Hall saying, oh, you know, we should have hired someone else. And, um I don't think that's the case, and we we got a comment. Um, Coach and AD are getting paid what they agreed to, right? Yes, and I think that that kind of that calls me back to you know guys like Bill McGillis, John Gilbert, who two I, I think really capable guys, and I think 
Bill McGillis was exactly the type of AD we needed at the time to to kind of shift, uh, especially, especially financially, the direction. Um, right, and he had, you know, at that time, I think we were still, you know, maybe trying to get eventually into the AAC. And yes. he had those deep AAC ties. Um, you know, obviously he was at USF yeah. um, as an associate there, and uh, I think that was probably a big reason why he was hired was because of those ties with the, the AAC, and that was something we were kind of shooting for at the time. Yeah, and I, and I think maybe this is, this is more John Gilbert, but I think, you know, those – seven or eight years where you had three presidents and, you know, 15 ADs. I think it's part of, yeah, that part of that instability was those expectations were not being met. And so, you know, that's, that's why you saw the split in the fan base Mm -hmm. wanting all, you know, you want a certain guy and, you know, you get this guy and he doesn't immediately do this fantastic job and gets you into the AAC. Um, And, you know, the football program is, where it was under Munkin, uh, you know, his, his first two years. Uh, I, I think that's that's why you got that instability. Um, and so it, it certainly can be negative. But I also think it's it's how you attract guys like Jeremy McLean, um, who I, I think is a fantastic um, athletic director. And I think, um, you know, I, I think this administration we have kind of from the top down aligns itself a lot better than it did in those seven or eight years where we had all that instability. Um, so anyways, rabbit hole. I'm not sure how we got on that. <laughs> yeah. I um, so, uh, yes. Uh, don't, don't, uh, jump off the edge quite yet. Uh, I, I still, f- I, I said seven games going into this yes. year. Yes, I, um, I think six or seven is still highly possible. I think you look at the conference schedule, especially in the West, and maybe feel a, a little, little less confident, yeah. um, especially with uh, you know how some of those teams came out in their game one. And so, um, but I, I think six or seven is still highly possible. Yeah, I think that Troy game is going to be big. So let's you know you say you or you assume that beat Grambling. Um, so. Coming in the year, I kind of thought Troy, because Troy brought back, I believe, 19 or 20 starters from a team that lost a bunch of close games. I forgot the status of it, but they had lost several one-possession games uh, last year. They're pretty unlucky. Um, so they're actually um, – if you put Troy in CUSA, I was looking at the S&P uh, Plus uh, rankings for Bill Connolly. If Troy was in CUSA, they would have been, I believe, the first or second-best team in terms of preseason, mm-hmm. just based on what they brought back. So I thought that was going to be – you know. Kind of an underrated, really tough game. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be big in terms of trying to get the ball eligibility. You beat Grambling. If you can beat Troy, I think that kind of offsets uh, the South Al loss a little bit. Um, I would say so. I think. I think especially. I would. I would call that another measuring stick game almost. Yeah. Barometer. Um, barometer game, especially like you said, with how much they bring back, and you know that is that's a really talented football team. Uh, you could say the same about South Alabama, but if you you go and beat Troy, I, I think you can you can actually flush a lot of that South Alabama stuff and say, okay, that you know, Coach Hall was right when he was saying mm-hmm. that stuff was fixable, and you see the adjustments that were made, and you know that's it's a big if mm-hmm. because that's a good football team that you play in week three, um, but uh, yeah, so that 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 week three becomes a lot bigger after. Yeah, I think if you if you beat Troy, you're in a situation where you're going to end up two and two in non-conference. Right, and then you only have to go 500 in CUSA. But so you're saying Alabama will be a loss? Yes, 
I'm saying. <laughs> okay, I agree. Yes, I'm saying Alabama. You sure? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they looked pretty vulnerable yesterday. They did, yeah. Yeah, all those. I just all I want from that Alabama game is for us to hit on a big play, mm-hmm. and it'll, it'll be you know the fourth quarter. We'll hit on a big play against their backups that, that are also like five stars and are going to play for ten years in the NFL. And all the Bama fans call for Pete Golding to get fired, yep. and they're all miserable, even though they win big. That's all I'm hoping for from uh, from that Alabama game. But so you, you go two and two in yep. non-conference if you beat Troy, and that's a situation where you only have to go 500 in CUSA, uh, you know, to get to uh, six wins in uh, you know the New Orleans Bowl. I, I would <laughs> I would guess right. it's six wins. Or if you lose to Troy, you're one and three in non-con, and then you got to go five and three in CUSA and you know, based on what we saw from CUSA West yesterday, I mean, you have, or, you know, going back to UAB on Wednesday, but it looks like you have three pretty good teams in CUSA West with mm-hmm. um, UAB, La Tech, and UTSA all had pretty good uh, pretty good weeks, and uh, two of those games are on the road. So um, two of those three games are on the road. Um, so that Troy game, if you lose that, that's going to really put a lot of pressure on you um, in conference play um, to get to six wins um, you know, if you lose that game. Yeah, and, and you know that was I think that was going to be the case anyways. Um, you know I think it was it was going to be a borderline where you you know you come into the, some of those games like you know like a rice you go to rice and you know that was kind of early identified as a trap game um, and especially and, after Alabama were you know yes you bump and bruise a little bit <laughs> and then you go to Houston. Um, yeah, and, and you know, even that you know North Texas game early in November, um, you know, I, I think they've got real talent, and that'll be a tough game. So, um, yeah, six or seven, not certainly not out of the question. Um, but man, that is uh, you know a lot. I think a lot has to change because as strong as we saw, you know, especially the West, CUSA West, SEC West, same thing. Uh, play yesterday that I mean that's it was already going to be tough and a lot has to change um, from from last night for that to happen um, so uh, yeah so like we said grambling um, that that plays well in the schedule where you can hopefully work out some of those kinks um, and and kind of tune up for Troy um, big one uh, in in that week three um, come to Hattiesburg. Let's see who Troy plays next week. uh, They beat Southern University yesterday. Let's check on that. Oh, they play Liberty. They play Liberty at home. So that'll be That'll be really interesting. That's something that you need to watch if you're a Southern Miss fan. What time is it? Six o'clock. Six o'clock. Well, maybe not. But, yeah, keep up with it. For sure. Yeah. So, um, let's see what I was going to say. Oh yes, so Mr. Fitzer, oh, uh, <laughs> great comment. Uh, how excited for New York Times bestseller Paul Ganella uh, expose are you? Uh, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm uh, very excited. I pre-ordered. I'm excited to see who the publisher is. That's how excited <laughs> I am uh, for that big uh, yeah. for that big expose of. Uh, Southern Miss football. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of former coaches seemed like last night were pretty excited about the result. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I think just kind of on a serious note, I think that does kind of speak 
to the culture uh, yes. of the last staff. Where, yes. You know, you have, um, you know, your former DC and your former, I guess, whatever, Ganella was recruiting guy. Recruiting, recruiting czar. Yeah. Um, recruiting kinda, my boss. Yeah. Where they're just kind of coming out and uh, kind of gloating about last night's result. I think, um, you know, I think this, I think the culture on the last staff uh, was kind of rotten, and I think it's uh, going to take a little time to uh, kind of weed some of that out. Um, yes, and and that also, yeah, like I said, I mean, just I, I think that was a very splintered culture, kind of from top to bottom, um, and that's why you saw a lot of those results in you know in those big games. And um, I don't know if, if you have if you have a guy like Paul Ganella, you know, running your recruiting, you know. I, I think that is um, a concern. You know, that's going to trickle down in a lot of ways, and yeah. that's not something you can turn around in a summer, right? Um, so um, we would love to have him on the podcast. That would uh, <laughs> be a, a firecracker of an episode. Oh, we get a million listens. Yes, we would. Um, so yeah, we will. We'll keep tabs on that, um, and you know, probably not the, the last time that's going to come up. Uh, okay, so other games opening weekend. There's yeah. a, there was some fantastic. I, I saw one of your tweets. Um, you know that you know you you saw a lot of group of group of five, power five, really competitive games, and some of those you know being won, and even even FCS games. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know that's that's what people you know maybe not wouldn't say that overtly that they want to get rid of that, but that is what would certainly go away uh, yes, if you a, keep a, going this same direction for conference realignment. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I'm just kind of thinking of Montana beating uh, Washington last night. I mean, Washington's a top, or was, I mean, they'll drop out, I'm sure now, but they were a top 25 team, and Montana just went there and beat them. So that's, you know, I, I don't think if, you know, let's eventually, like you're saying, down this direction, you go to 20, you know, it's just going to be the 24 32 best programs, and it's just Alabama and Notre Dame right. every week. I, I don't think that's a lot of fun. I think part of the fun is, you know, crazy upsets like Montana beating Washington or, you know, to a lesser extent, UTSA beating Illinois or uh, that kind of thing. Charlotte beating Duke. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and, you know, Texas State. Uh, Baylor. Baylor on the ropes. That game was, uh, that in, was, uh, that game was at Texas State. That's right, so. yeah. And so um, – yeah, and, and I think, you know, there was a lot of, you know, talk about, um, you know, you, you saw Rice in Arkansas and how, you know, Arkansas was, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people had them, you know, trending upward. And, you know, I, I think, you know, that may still be the case, but. Well, they ended up pulling away late. Right, yeah. I mean, it, that's that was the closest, what was it, I don't know, 38-17. 38-17. Yeah, yeah, game that you're ever going to see. Um, but yeah, just, just games like that, you're, you're, you know, you completely do away with that Northern Illinois beating, beating Georgia you know, Tech. There's some other, uh, there's some other game that it, that was a big upset. Oh, oh, East Tennessee, <laughs> East Tennessee State over Vanderbilt, um, and 23 to three, East Tennessee, UConn, um, lost the, to Holy Cross, Holy Cross. Yeah. And, you know, at this point just kind of acts, I would ax the football program if I was UConn. Um, the coach announced today, uh, Randy, he's retiring, he's retiring at the end of the year, um, so yeah, they're uh, they're independent. I, I mean, I think you know that's a type of program. Maybe go to FCS. I mean, I don't I don't know, but it's crazy because yeah. I mean, they were in the Fiesta Bowl in 2010 when they were in the yeah. Big East. Yeah, uh, played Oklahoma. So it's kind of crazy to see how far that uh, 
that football program is falling. You know, they, yep. you know, they've always been a basketball school, but uh, you know they did have a competitive football program there for uh, for a little while. So, yep, a lot can change uh, very quickly, as we have seen. Um, anything else we need to talk about? Uh, I mean, now you kind of went over the games. I mean, you talk about lot. We talked about lot tech, mm, and uh, yes, yeah, it, yeah, it kind of went just, the way we. Said it was going to go. I mean, even more extreme than that. Where we said it was going to be in the second quarter, where Latte was going to well, get ten to yeah. seven, and State was going to end up winning like fifty-two to seventeen or something. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, then I said something about like, "Well, I'm going to, you know, I'll go on Twitter and say, oh, Latte's winning. They're going to know winning this game." And, I, and it basically played out just a crazier yes. version of that, where it was thirty-four to fourteen. And I'm saying, "Yeah, State. You know, maybe they sold their soul uh, <laughs> to win that baseball championship. They're just going to be bad sports now. They're just, yeah, they're going to have to fold up shop in ten years and." Uh, you know, state came back and won that on that uh, 35-34 tip that uh Bill goal from forty six yards mm-hmm. um to win it. But I mean, I think that is a good result, a pretty good result sure. for Tech, where you only sure. lose by one against uh, an SEC West team that you know. I think most people, I mean, they're not going to win the SEC West, but a team that could be a bowl team out of the SEC West, sure, where you only lose by one. Um, then UTSA won at Illinois. Um, that was good. Good result. Illinois won last week. Um, I don't think Illinois is a great team, but you know they you know they beat Nebraska last week for whatever that's worth. Uh, so UTSA, I'll pull up UTSA schedule. Who else do they have? That might be their only bad game. Because if, if that's it, they, I mean they they may get some talk uh, going undefeated, but I don't know if they have like you know Texas or somebody uh, later in the year. Oh, they play Memphis ne- or not next week, but later Memphis, on. Memphis, yeah, end of September. Okay. You well, the, yeah. Um, well, they could win that. Sure. So yeah, you could. Yeah. I mean, I. Yeah. Eleven. I think eleven and one, twelve and those. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think Cincinnati probably has the inside track, um, to the New Year's. Oh, absolutely. Preseason top ten. It's. I mean, you know. Yeah, and then they you have, have to kind of collapse. They I have those that. two big games. They go to Indiana, who looked beatable yesterday, and then they uh, go to Notre Dame. I mean, I think even if you split those two games and you win the AAC, I sure. think Cincinnati would be very likely yes. to get a New Year's Six Bowl. But, you know, UTSA, they have the potential if they win 10 or 11 games, I think, um, you know, maybe they can sniff the top 25, get a decent bowl somewhere. Yep. Um, and then I guess we already talked about UAB um, earlier. And yep. then Bryce. So, um, I guess Charlotte. They won. That was nice. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal for that program where you beat an in-state Power 5 school. It really is. Um, and, that, and that early, you know, in, in your even, you know, football program existence mm-hmm. to have, you know, that kind of marquee win. and uh, That can really jumpstart you. Sure, yeah. And, you know, they were, you know, they've they've been trending upward for two or three years. Um, Will Healy. Healy, yeah. And it'll be really interesting to see if he sticks there. Um I, you know, I think he's probably gone after after this year, depending on what opens up. Right, and assuming you know, I mean, Duke may hire him because I think, sure, sure. I think there's been a lot of talk at Duke of uh, Cutcliffe finally stepping down. Um, you know, Cutcliffe's done a really good job in Duke. You know, in terms of just going to bowl games. You know, mm-hmm. Duke that's a really good job, but they've been a little down the past couple of years. So I think people thinking he could retire. So I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Duke uh, maybe look at Will Healy. Um, I wouldn't either. If Charlotte has a big year. You go from Cutcliffe to a guy like Healy, kind of young, energetic. I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you're trying to to really, um, you know, make, uh, you know, a commitment to football and to, you know, change the culture and all that kind of stuff, I think he would 
probably be you know one of those top three guys that comes up. Yeah. Um, so we'll watch that. So that I mean that's that's the weekend in review. Um, we're gonna try to do these live um, post game weekends uh, when we can. So we appreciate y'all joining. This is also gonna be available in podcast form. Man, we hope that weekend. our we hope that I guess we'll be on, we're on Spotify now. But yes. we said on the last episode we were gonna do Podbean. We decided to go with Anchor, which is uh, really easy. So it is on uh, Spotify. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked the last day or so if it's on Apple. Um, but we're, hopefully that we're is in the, the process. Work. Yes, yeah. we yep. are in the uh, process of getting yep. on uh, all of the major uh, platforms that uh, people like to enjoy. So. That's right. And we plan to have another episode before this weekend. We'll have a guest on. Um, should be a really good one. So we will keep you all updated on that. We appreciate you listening uh, and tuning in. This has been buzzardry thanks for joining us guys